0: To quote Charles Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors, Durham's premier commercial HVAC installation and service company. For more information, go to comfortmc.com or call 919-383-2502. And as always, I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, joined alongside my co-host, Josh Cox, Scott Medlin. And Jamie Holt. And as I stated, it was a tough one. Another tough one down in Tallahassee. We had two of the guys down there, Scott and Josh. And we're all going to give our thoughts on the upsetting 38-20 to loss to the Florida State Seminoles. But before we give our thoughts, as always, we've got to hear from the man himself. Here's head coach Mike Elko, game.
1: Disappointing result. Um, You know, we obviously came into this game um, with high expectations of how we would play and how we would perform. Um, I think for three quarters, we showed that. Um, You know, and then just in the fourth quarter, I just, we didn't have the responses that we needed. You know, we didn't convert the fourth and three. You know, we didn't respond on defense, and we gave up the 97-yard drive, which I really think caused a lot of fatigue. Uh, We didn't put a drive together on offense to respond, um, and then we went back out on defense, and and we didn't respond. And so, you know, the fourth quarter kind of got away from us, and they were obviously able to pull away and and create the score that they did. Um, You know, I thought for for three quarters, um, we battled our defense against their offense. I thought we held them in check to to some degree as much as you can that offense, Um, you know, but at the end of the day in those types of games and those types of atmospheres, we've got to be more efficient in the throw game. We've got to be able to execute better. We can't complete eight passes and try to win a game on the road like that. Um, And we've got to finish better in the fourth quarter. Our execution on defense in the fourth quarter was really, really poor. And so, you know, it got away at the end, and so now we got to regroup. We got a really talented um, Louisville team coming in next week, and and you know it's going to be a huge challenge for us. And um, you know, open it up to questions.
0: And again, that was Head Coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts immediately after the thirty-eight to twenty loss to the Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee. And fellas, let's go ahead and just knock this one out of the way. Pretty much three quarters Duke, and then the one quarter that mattered the most went to Florida State. The score did not dictate how the game itself went for someone who might have just turned on the TV Sunday morning to see the score, didn't watch a single bit of it. Josh and Scott, we'll start with you guys because y'all were there knee-deep in Tallahassee country and Seminole country. Overall thoughts on the game and what possibly could have happened for Duke to get another win?
2: Well, it seemed like three quarters in the truth. And unfortunately, the truth was riley got hurt and that pretty much dampened the spirit um i you got to give praise where praise is due the fans were in the into the game they were great i mean that was the atmosphere was unbelievable um they were most of them were pretty good there were a couple idiots but there's always a couple idiots um man they were worried everybody we talked to on Friday, we saw, they were like, man, you guys scare us, you guys scare us. And that was with not even hundred percent sure that Riley was even going to play. So the fact that Riley is able, was able to play and just the fact that he got hurt on, I'm going to call it a dirty play. Cause that's what I thought it was live. It's, you know, it's bad. It happened. I hate it. And you're asking a whole heck of a lot from anybody especially poor Henry. And I don't, I don't mean poor Henry like that. Just the fact that Henry's only been in five games and you're putting him in the biggest atmosphere that Duke's played in and Lord knows how long you're asking a lot. And he was just, if he had one more second, he's that close to Calhoun's hands, getting that football in the corner of the end zone, right in front of us, but he didn't have another second. He held on as long as he possibly could. So, but Florida state's good the best thing they did I thought in my opinion was when they went through the RPO and they let Travis run that opened the game for them completely because Duke was selling out on the running back because he hadn't really held the football and done anything with it for a couple weeks. So the fact that he held on to it because he saw the same thing most quarterbacks anyway. Guy's a six-year guy as it is. So he saw the defenders coming in. Oh, okay, well I got the outside then and that's exactly what he did. So, you know, overall, Duke played their hearts out. I mean, they left it all out on the field. I hate we lost, but, I mean, there's still a chance. The road is still there for Duke to go down it and to get an opportunity to play them again in, what, six weeks in Charlotte. But you got to do what you got to do. But all in all, I mean, Tallahassee, it's not, it was kind of like Durham South a little bit. There's a lot of different things. You know, a lot of it, it looked the same to me um just you know we had we had a good time there's some funny stories you could tell maybe off air that were really good but other than that really good time atmosphere was great fans were great the tailgate was great i mean the fact that the fans actually came over and helped put stuff up helped talk to us after the game was over we were waiting to get in the car to leave they're coming up and you know man you guys played great we we appreciate you guys coming down here you know just complimentary things you just don't get from opposing fans anywhere so it was good to see that these people actually had a little bit of class unlike some of the younger version of them that were inside the game next to us
3: yeah i'll echo some of what scott said Uh, we were able to go down there uh first of all uh we got there friday and we were able to go around campus got to go to a baseball game for about for a half inning or so they were doing one of the free like fall ball games um that's right there beside the stadium we got to see uh, the uh, Sod Cemetery there, Brian, that you spoke about in the Tale of the tape uh, last week, which was, uh, you know, it was kind of neat. It was a little underwhelming, but it was, but it was, it was a cool concept. The Bobby Bowden statue, um, all that stuff was really cool. Uh, their, their team store was like, if you've ever been to the, the Nike store at Duke there, if you multiply that by about four or five, uh, that was the size of their team store. Honestly, Makes me jealous because their athletic department absolutely takes advantage of licensing agreements. They had everything you could think of in there, uh, licensing wise. And just going to throw this out there: uh, a Jordan Travis section with a po- with posters of Jordan Travis, t-shirts with Jordan Travis on it in their team store. So anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, that I thought that was neat. Um, as Scott mentioned, we were able to see some people on campus, some former players. Uh, introduce themselves just super kind man honestly Duke fans like we can learn from that like their fans went overboard to make us feel welcome uh they were so kind to us they were very respectful now granted we're not Florida Gators or Miami Hurricanes I understand that uh but but it's when, when we do have visiting teams on our campus man go out of your way to be kind and help people and, and like it was really it was really cool um and then game day um tailgating started at noon shout out hard hat guys we were able to have a four tent tailgate let's see we had the blades family us hard hats leonards and then everybody came and and hung kind of at those four tents that we had together Um, but it was it was a madhouse I mean it was it was pretty wild Um, and then the game so I have a couple comments about the game Uh, first of all the fans I mean there were 75,000 plus in that stadium packed out tomahawk chop going crazy so not only did henry get thrown into the game he got thrown into the game in the fourth quarter at dope campbell like it was it was not just like getting thrown into a game at some random place he got thrown in when he got thrown in so that was difficult um I as well, Scott thought the the Riley hit was dirty, especially from where we were sitting. Well, the face mask was dirty. Let's put it that way. The face mask was dirty. I don't know if the hit that actually. I don't know what happened with his foot, but the face mask was dirty. Uh, and at the end of the day, do I believe we score a touchdown if Riley stays in the game? I do. I do believe that, and I believe that puts us up ten. But let me just say this: I don't necessarily think that means we win the game. Uh, the 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 momentum was already starting to shift midway through the third quarter. Um, I'm not saying we that we that we lose the game, but I'm I'm, I'm also saying it wasn't a guarantee that we were going to win that game. The one thing that I, I would guarantee us, I believe, is that Riley would have extended the drives a little bit in the fourth quarter where the defense didn't seem like they were on the field all the time, and that's where I think the problem first time I think in the last year that I felt like we really did get gassed uh, on defense and there was really nothing that we could do about it. They want to shout out two players specifically. Uh, One player is Graham Barton. Uh, When you hear of Florida state, there's one player on defense you hear about all the time. His name is Jared verse. Jared verse did have five tackles, but Jared verse only got near the quarterback one time for quarterback hurry. Graham really held his own. Now there's a lot of FSU fans chirping about holding. You know, what's really funny about that. They're chirping about holding when we were meeting the players after the game, I won't mention who it is, but a defensive lineman came up, and first thing out of his mouth, man, they were holding the whole game. So, like, both sides are saying they're holding. So, like, we can give that up. That is that is a wash. Look, We watch enough football to know that holds get called whenever the heck the officials want to call them, and usually it's, you know, crucial times. But anyway, second player, so Graham Barton, shout out Graham. I think Graham really showed Pro Scouts – what they thought they saw last year. I think he showed it. Second player, Jock Lesmore, Man, what an incredible game by by that running back. Now, he he is from about uh, less than an hour outside of Tallahassee. So that was like a homecoming game for him. And you could tell it he was in it. And uh, and so, yeah, those are the two players, Les on offense. Uh, I'm sorry, in the backfield. And then Graham on the offensive line there that I wanted to shout out. But great game. Thank you, uh, Seminole Nation. You guys were awesome. Seriously, even those of you talking smack, Y'all were still so awesome. We had a great time, and and I don't really care to go back because Tallahassee pretty much sucks as a city. But other than that, it was really cool.
0: So while those two were down in Tallahassee, me and Jamie were the poor folk being back at home. And for those of you keeping count, it is currently COVID-17, Jamie nothing. But Jamie, I think he got some antibiotics today, so it's about time to turn the corner, Jamie. Defeat COVID, getting ready before Louisville. What were your thoughts as you watched the game? Uh, You know, first and
4: foremost, I'd like to give a shout out to the trolls on our YouTube video that were commenting and just saying Duke had no chance and everything. And I was always, I was trying to keep up with all those comments and I was replying to them on our YouTube video. And one guy said, can't wait to see if y'all even have a reaction video. I'm like, dude, we record every Monday. We will have a reaction video. So shout out to those trolls. FSU is a good team. They're a good football team, and Lord have mercy, the size of their receivers, or, I mean, like, Wilson, was that dude's like 6'7". Like, there was times where he was covered and blanketed, and he just made a catch, and it just unreal. And like I think Scott said, when they, when they opened up the game for Jordan Travis, and he started running and kind of getting into the flow of the game, Man, he was he was virtually unstoppable in that fourth quarter, and a lot of it had to do with Riley going down. And I know we'll talk about that more. Uh, I I believe, like Josh said, I think that we go up twenty-seven to seventeen right there if Riley is in the game, even hurt or not. I believe that we were going to score right there. And um, but the biggest turning point of the game for me was when we when Duke went up 17-7. And then turn around, kickoff, ninety-nine kickoff yard touchdown. Uh, that was tough. That, that was tough, and that was <clears throat> that was kind of where it started to go downhill. Uh, yes, Duke went into halftime leading twenty to seventeen, but it really started right there, and FSU kind of turned it around.
3: It's a funny story about that, Jamie. That specific instance. So Duke had just scored right on uh, Jack. I think it was Jack long touchdown run. Was that right? That put him up. 17-7? No, no,
0: it was the Chandler Rivers
3: interception. Yeah, two. pick six. It was pick so, six. So it was the pick yep. six. And so I'm like, sweet, I'm going to run to the restroom real quick and get a refill on my drink. So I run down, and there's this one short little weirdo um, from uh, from Florida State that had been talking smack to me and Stanley Monk the whole pregame. And he was down there, and I walked by. I'm like, hey, little man. I'm like, uh, what do you think about that? And so I'm talking smack to him, and he's like, you know, back at me. So then I leave, and, dude, I had, I wasn't out there 30 seconds, and, we, and they were turning the kickoff. So I'm coming walking back, and I'm like, man, please hope this guy is not in his seat. Sure enough, man, I turned the corner, and he's right there. He's like, hey, what up, big boy? He's like talking smack to me. So it was it was good, man. It was all good fun. But, yeah, I stuck my foot in my mouth in that one, man. So sorry, Jamie. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> and the crazy part about that was, though, both those touchdowns, the Jaquez Moore touchdown where he ran it was in front of us. And the kickoff return. He ended in and got it scored right in front of where we were sitting.
4: Yeah, I mean, just in the end, I would love to see Duke and we're gonna discuss this some more. I would love to see Duke get a chance with a healthy Riley Leonard. And I don't know if Riley Leonard's even gonna be healthy the rest of the year at this point. I mean, that ankle that could bother him the rest of the year. But I mean, I would love to get another shot at FSU. What'd you think, Brian?
0: <laughs> what I think, Jamie? I don't know. You kind of trailed off there for a second. <laughs> 14 minutes in and Jamie lost it already. <laughs> Jamie
3: fell asleep. That's right. <laughs> what do you
0: think about it? <laughs> Insert Mitch McConnell meme. All right, sorry. Um, I had a very interesting Saturday night to say the least. There you go, Josh. That's exactly the one. No, you got to close your mouth and look off into the distance. So, for those of you who saw uh, the week before, Harrison, my son, and Hudson, my son, got to paint some shoes for the UNC coaching staff. So along with that, we got invited to the UNC-Virginia game. So it was me, my wife, my boys. In all honesty, I went in there, and I was wearing all Duke stuff, and I trust me, there were plenty of UNC fans ribbing me. But I looked at Bethany, my wife, and I was like, look, let's just go by halftime. This game's going to be well in hand after probably the first quarter I really want to get home and watch, you know, the Duke FSU game. Well, then, of course, I jinxed it because at the half, it was 17 to 14 UNC. We still left. The boys were just ready. They were they were done. But on the way home, I had Hulu on my phone. And, yes, Josh, it was actually up to date. They hadn't just kicked off. Um, but I, I just echoing everything these three guys said, I don't need to go into any more. But it was just one of those games to where the momentum you knew heading in to that play right before Riley got hurt, there was nothing at that time FSU could do to stop the Duke offense. Where on the flip side, Florida State just had no answer. Again, yes, they ran the ball back 99 yards for a touchdown, but that's all they could do really. Um, Do I think momentum shifted after the Riley injury? 100%. Everybody that I talked to, Duke fans, UNC fans, they all said, y'all had this game had Riley not gone down. And to thrust Henry in there, to Scott's point, I believe, into 75,000 crazy Seminole fans, probably could not hear you know, the person next to him. That, was a, that would have been a tall task, no matter who you asked to go in, whether it was someone experienced or not. And, and I'm going to bring this up, and we can talk about this really quick before we get to our interview. Going for the touchdown to going for the field goal. Jamie's smiling because me and him are actually on the same page. Apparently. And, and uh, <laughs> don't make me get bleeped by Justin. So here, here's my my thought process, and fellas, we can we can go bad cop, good cop, whatever. But if you know Riley's not going back in based off of that injury, I mean, it looked like he his ankle went in this time, probably just re aggravated the high ankle sprain. Why not go up six to where? Henry now has time on the sidelines to chat with Kevin Johns to kind of go over a possible game plan the next series. But instead, it's no points. FSU gets the ball, marches it down 99 yards, and then he's right back on the field. And and FSU stacked the box. They did that for the rest of the night because they knew that Henry was not as prepared as he was for the state game. Let's just put it that way. Because after the Notre Dame game, you you pretty much could assume that Coach Elko went up to Henry and said, barring a miracle, you're playing against State. So get prepared. Whereas it was, hey, kid, Riley's played three quarters. Get in there. So me and Jamie, we talked about it on text while the guys were in the stadium. We both agreed in that type of game, take the points, get as many points as you can. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have mattered based off of the score. FSU just had the had the momentum in the fourth quarter but to me and I'm not a head coach coach Elko if you're listening we can talk about it in the offseason like we did with the two-point uh conversion against Pitt I would you take the points you're up six to where when and if FSU scored instead of being down four to where you would need a touchdown you're only down one to where you need another field goal had it become a defensive battle in the fourth quarter but again ifs and buts it, it is what it is, but what are y'all's Go ahead, thoughts on that? It? I don't even know what it if ifs and
3: buts <laughs> or candy and nuts should all should have, have
4: should have nuts or something.
3: I <laughs> I'm not sure. I yeah, I did
0: Merry <laughs> Christmas everyone. I didn't want to botch that, but what what are y'all's thoughts? I mean it it is yeah. what it is, the game's over, but that that was just my thoughts.
4: I won't, you know people I know people are gonna say like, Oh, you don't understand analytics, but I understand the analytics of going for that there um if you Jamie, miss you it don't
3: understand the analytics yeah <laughs> <laughs> if, Q if you Eddie. if you miss it
4: right there florida state has to go 90 whatever yard 90 some yards on your defense which is top five in the country at the time they've slipped some now after that fourth quarter unfortunately but um you you think that you have a shot you think that your defense is going to get off the field but in that situation i agree with brian henry's coming in cold against fsu team that's number four in the country potential national championship team let's be honest against in a stadium dope campbell 75,000 screaming fans tomahawk chop going like crazy uh he's just i would have took the three i absolutely would have took the three right there you go up 23 17 even if florida state drives the next drive you're only down 24 23 then Henry has a chance, like Brian said, to discuss some things, get calm, maybe on the sideline, maybe even huddle with Raleigh, huddle with Kevin Johns. Um, I just think you take the three right there.
3: Yeah, so I don't disagree with you guys. I, I'm, I'm usually a fan of getting the points, especially when that leg of Todd Polino is just killer, like it was uh, Doug Campbell the other night. So that's number one. Number two, there are two other small. We don't need to discuss these. I just want to bring them up because I know that if you're a fan, there are two plays you may have seen. Number one was when the officials uh, let Florida State sub on a fourth down when Duke did not sub out, and Coach Elko was livid. Duke wound up having to take a time. I think Florida State ended up getting a timeout. Then Duke didn't go for it or, or something or another on fourth down there. That was one play. There was another play, though. And look, Coach Elko doesn't listen to our weekly episodes. I, I I would actually love to have this conversation with him. Duke did take a timeout on one fourth down, and then they punted. And it was in the second and the third quarter. Like there was it was like a fourth and one or two. And we took the time. My thing is if we're gonna take the timeout, go for it. Like don't waste a timeout. Like just take the five yard penalty if you're gonna punt it and back Porter up a little bit. So, like, there was a couple of calls, a couple of things we did that I wasn't really sure, and it's kind of unlike us on the coaching side. Uh, but, yeah, the one where, where Coach Elko was livid was Duke did not sub out, but yet that referee stood over the ball and let Florida State sub out, and they wound up taking a timeout or whatever and getting their defense set when Duke, had, Duke was on the ball ready to snap. So, anyway, we don't have to necessarily discuss that. I just wanted to bring that up as, like, things that we
2: noticed. I'll say this, and I'll be the uh, the devil's advocate for a moment. At live in the moment, yes, I thought the three would have been perfect. Uh, after listening to the coach today, he said 23 was not going to win the game. So he thought going for seven, the momentum was there. If they got it, who knows? So he has done all these things. He's prepared all these things. He knows what the heck he's doing. I'm on side on whatever he did. I can still second guess anything from where I sit, but he's the one getting paid for it. And if it goes wrong, he's the one that everybody's gonna be mad at, not me. But either way, I mean, there's so many other things too, that happened during the game that could have gone one way or the other. So it is what it is. Like I said, Florida state at the end of the day, uh, they're the number four team in the country for a reason. So the fact that, and, and this is something that irritated me, and I'm just going to go a little soapbox for a second. You're the number four team in the country. You're talking trash and running your mouth, running up and down the aisles after you've won the game to the number 16 team in the country. You're supposed to win by two touchdowns. I mean, you're supposed to win. Why? What do you gain? And the fact, and one more thing, I'll shut up. Before the game started, as we were getting ready to go in, And I, I'll keep the person nameless, but somebody walked up to a parent wearing a jersey and started running their mouths to the parent. And it was, it was both parents and the dad turned around and said, look, guys, you can talk all you, all the stuff you want to talk at the end of the day. I don't care. You can keep running your mouth. You're not going to affect me. You're not going to get me to trigger. You're not going to get me to do anything more than just sit here and talk right back to you those two boys ended up shutting up by the by the end of that conversation cuz they realized they were not barking up the correct tree now had his son been standing there those two boys would have ran for their lives back to ocala florida or orlando florida or wherever the heck they came from cuz they would have been scared but anyway <laughs> and that
0: message was brought to you by scott Medlin. <laughs> <laughs> well and, and again what we're going to we're going to Probably button this one up again. We got to look ahead to Louisville. My question, just hypothetically to you guys, if it was 23, say they kick the field goal and the defensive battle starts back, if it's, and they score and it's 24, 23. Do you think Elko's thought about letting Riley back in would have changed? Had there been a shot to win? No, I don't, I don't
4: think he was going to risk. I don't think he was going to risk Riley getting hurt. Any more than what he already was.
0: Yeah, just and just curious because there were some fans on Message Boards going, "He wants to come back in. He's been doing all this on the sidelines." I mean, the cameras for ESPN, it would every time the, a play would stop, back to Riley showing him, you know, jogging and doing cut drills and whatever. But some of the Duke fans were just like, "He needs to go back in. Why aren't you putting him back in?" To Jamie's point, Elko's thinking long term. There's still, you know, six more games to go. I'm oh, sorry. Five more games to go, plus maybe a potential ACC title game, depending on how the the cards fall. So I, I was just curious. Again, I, the, I wasn't trying to start thing, anything.
3: The one thing he couldn't do on the sidelines, he could not stand on his right foot and jump on his right foot without his left foot touching the ground. He could not stand on his on the bad leg and jump.
2: Okay, and they I didn't show they, that.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. when he couldn't do that, I was like, man, he he can't. That that's not gonna. And and, and kudos to Elko, he's getting some love as well from people on like not letting Riley get back in the game. You can't, you know, you can't do that. So anyway, I, but I will say this. Oh, and then I'll tell you, Riley now knows he can play on a hurt ankle. So that's all I'll say. Riley now knows he can go and be effective in a game with his ankle hurt. So Duke fans just take that for what it's worth.
2: And he did everything he could. I mean, he yeah. begged and pleaded. I, mean, I don't know how much they showed on television. And then I think finally they told him, look, Mm-mm. we're going to put Henry in and Riley did the best he could from there, trying to help and do what he could from the sideline. So it showed, it showed to me that he's the ultimate team player as it is. He's the ultimate competitor. And, you know, as T.O. would say, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback.
0: Well, again, we could, we could spend a whole episode reacting to um, the FSU game, but we got another game coming up this weekend, three 30, kickoff in Louisville against the Louisville Cardinals and we're back fellas we got someone on last week was a little tough we couldn't get AJ manual so this week we've got ACC Network's Mark Packer talking to us all things about the Louisville Duke game and his overall thoughts about the rest of the ACC season we had a great time we even went old school we didn't do it on StreamYard we went back to Zoom that's how old school we went like we've done in the years past so Here's our conversation. It was Josh, Scott, and myself sitting down and talking with Mark Packer.
2: Hello and welcome again uh, to this week's Section 17 podcast. We're interviewing the Mark Packer, the co-host of ACCPM PM Show on the ACC Network, son of Billy Packer, and ACC historian of sort, Sale with the pilot there. And also an avid Giants fan and a disliker of the L.A. Dodgers like me. So you know the man has greatness in his blood right there. <laughs> well, Mark, we appreciate you coming on and uh, being with us today. Uh, so before the season started, you actually had picked Louisville as your sleeper team. What made you pick Louisville as your sleeper team? Uh, what about them turning your head? Or,
5: Well, a couple things. Number one, uh, Jeff Brom is a really good football coach, and he's an offensive-minded coach. And I just thought with what they had coming back, even though – Malik Cunningham was gone Jack Plummer knew the system he put up some good numbers at Cal and the way they've recruited the way they've used the transfer portal for speed I just assumed that Louisville would be a team that score a lot of points I also love the fact there was no Florida State there was no Clemson there was no North Carolina on the schedule and given the fact that we have no divisions we're just now talking about hey can you be one of the two best teams uh, from a record standpoint to get to Charlotte uh, not that I said, hey, Louisville is going to be in the ACC championship game, but there was always going to be one of those teams in the league that was going to surprise, much like Duke did a year ago, when all of a sudden people were like, well, you know what? This guy, Elko, what in the world? Why would he leave AM to become the head coach of Duke? What are they going to do? He's inheriting a disaster. They'd be lucky to win a few games. Next thing you know, Duke's 29 and could have won 10 or 11 easily. So, there's always one team, regardless of what league we cover. This happens to be the ACC. That kind of comes, that flies out of the radar and surprises everybody. I just thought because of all those reasons, Louisville could be that team. And sure enough, Jeff Broms done a really good job. Jack Plumber, when he's really good, is really good. Uh, they have hit some home runs with the transfer portal with speed. They've got enough defense to keep you honest. Uh, it's a it's a franchise that wants to be good. They got a terrific fan base. Uh, and sure enough, no Clemson, no North Carolina, no Florida state. And here we are going into late October and what now all of a sudden feels like kind of a loser leave town match for Charlotte with Duke and Louisville this week. It is a monstrous game uh, for both parties, quite frank. Yes.
3: Yeah, looking at, looking at that, the, the Duke program, the Louisville program. I mean, you've been around this league a long time. Have you seen, you know, two A coaches come in and just be able to just flip the script so quickly, right? Like, I mean, with Duke here, you know, basically the same team. I mean, only three guys transferred out during the coaching change. Mike Elko takes that team that went two and nine, three and nine previous two years, nine and four. You're seeing the Swift turnaround there at Louisville too. Is
5: that, that's uncanny uh, historically in the league, right? Well, it is. And these are two really good coaches. And I've told this story before, uh, ACC network. We in August of every year we do camp tours. We basically go around and they assign certain people to certain schools. Well, Eric McLean, who I know you guys have had on, Eric and I were doing the Duke camp tour. This was not this past August, the August before, and it happened to be Mike Elko's first fall practice. And you know, I I'm, listen. Eric's played the game. I, I'm a fan like everybody else, and I remember. We're talking to Elko, and he was great, real personable guy, obviously got a great reputation from a defensive perspective, now becomes a head coach. And I will never forget watching Duke come out of the practice indoor and out to the outdoor for their first practice. And, again, we had no idea if if Riley Leonard could play dead in a Cowboy movie, much less go on to be a star. We didn't even know who Duke's quarterback was going to be, right? And I remember we watched Duke's practice that day. We went on the air that night. And Eric and I, you know, at the end, they say, all right, give us a forecast. What do you expect for Duke in 22? And again, I'm trying to, and I want everybody to win. It's in my best interest for everybody in the league to be good. And I think my comment was, if Duke can get the three wins, this is really going to be a heck of a year for Mike Elko to be able to do it. Because you watch them just on the eye test, you're like, man, they're so small. You know, they got a guy here or there, but how is this team going to compete with Mike Elko trying to learn the lay of the land of the ACC I mean, it shows you how much I know. I mean, I thought they could win three, they won nine. So, you know, we went to do the Duke camp tour this year and Eric was on it with me and we got to that segment and Eric and I just started laughing at each other. I said, wait, are you going to say it or am I going to say it? We both <laughs> thought that Duke would be fortunate to win three games in 22. And I almost wanted to say, I was almost going to say, I'm going to predict Duke to win three games again because that means they could go on and win 10 or 11. So yeah. it just goes to show you what a brilliant job Mike Elko has done. And also, what his staff has done. I mean, he has really put together a tremendous football staff. And when you watch Duke play, and again, if you can take all the bias away, and you're just you're, your eyes are just watching the game, the one thing that pops off the screen or even in person, if you go see him play, is they are so well coached. They're always in the right place. They tackle extremely well. And like even the Florida State game, I mean, if Riley Leonard doesn't go down, Duke fans will talk about this forever and ever. If he doesn't go down, Duke was going toe-to-toe with right now the best team in the ACC in that environment where everybody thought, man, they're going to go down there and get waxed. Wrong. They were dictating tempo all the way until basically the five-minute mark of the third quarter. Mm -hmm. That is a really, really good football team. And, And I give... Their players, their staff, their conditioning, their workout guys, Mike Elko, and and let's be honest, Nina King, a lot of credit for saying, guess what? Here's the guy that fits the principles of what we represent at Duke University. He is a perfect fit, and on top of that, is a great guy to work with. From what we do for a living in the media business, so it's a win-win proposition. And if you're a Duke football fan, you, you've got to be thrilled to death. Despite what happened in Tallahassee, the future is incredibly bright in Durham.
0: What's well, funny that you mentioned Nina and your predictions of going, hopefully winning three wins in uh, 2022, because we spoke with Nina right after the hire, and she was telling Duke fans, let's, let's halt her expectations, let's be patient, this is going to take some time, and you know, the four of us were as true Blue Devil fans in football as you can find them. And we were even like, man, this is going to take a little while. And then after the nine wins, we're like, oh, man, this is awesome. We're not used to this. (laughs) So trust me, everyone was blown away by the first year of Coach Elko. And we're all glad it wasn't a flash in the pan because he has truly silenced a lot of the naysayers heading into this 2023 season.
5: Well, and you know what the best thing about it, too? And again, I say this now as a Clemson alum. Forget about what I do for the ACC Network. But we were at that game. And it's funny even at halftime of the clemson game labor day night regardless of how that game was going to turn out whether you win by three touchdowns or lose by three touchdowns there was no doubt at halftime of that game that from a from a physical standpoint from a speed standpoint from a schematic standpoint this was a fistfight and so for anybody that thought 22 was a fluke oh they're going to see clemson around the gate get blown away and you knew instantly, no, that wasn't going to be the case at all. And I thought what they did against Clemson, the way they won that game, they were the better football team. They were the better coached football team. And then what you saw against Florida State in that environment, uh, anybody that walks away and says, oh, Duke's not – this is a joke. You don't know what you're talking about. This is a really, really well-coached football team. So
0: heading back to Louisville, last time they were on the field two weeks ago, upset loss to Pitt – Looking at Louisville's remaining ACC schedule, they got a lot of their games out of the way early in the season in the ACC. Other than Duke, which team has the best shot to beat Louisville? They still have Miami, Virginia, and Virginia Tech alongside Duke.
5: Well, I would say Miami, uh, just because what Mario Cristobal is trying to build at Miami, uh, their offensive and defensive lines are really good. I mean, they're they're physical and tough, which is exactly – what Cristobal wants to do. And you kind of saw that this past weekend in their uh, double overtime win against Clemson. They basically dominated the fourth quarter and shoved it down their throat. Uh, so Louisville's got speed. They're going to try to spread you. Uh, you know, Jawar Jordan has been fantastic again. I don't know how, what his hamstrings like for this week. You saw that when he didn't go against Pittsburgh, their run game disappeared. Uh, Louisville has been a completely, totally different team at home as opposed to being on the road. Uh, so again, I think that if you look at their schedule, um, to me, if I had to pick one, I I would say other than the Duke game, Miami would be a concern just because the way they can play bully ball. And if you don't get the football, you can't do anything with it. So, but Louisville is going to be a tough out. And, um, you know, this game with Duke this weekend is, like I said, is beyond critical as far as getting to Charlotte that first Saturday in December.
2: So as the season has progressed, um, I know obviously we talked about Louisville being your surprise team. Is there a new person to take that spot in your mind so far in this season?
5: Uh, No, because I think – I still think it's Louisville, um, regardless of how the second half plays out for them, because they've now put themselves in position uh, along with Duke and North Carolina and obviously Florida State's in the driver's seat uh, but everybody else, you know, I know Virginia Tech's only got one loss, but I, I, you know, they, I wouldn't put Virginia Tech in the same conversation as Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, and in uh, Florida State. Um, so I, I think that is the four teams. I mean, those are the four teams, quite frankly. Now, could somebody emerge out of nowhere? I mean, could Virginia Tech run the table? Uh, I guess they could, but I, I just don't think that uh, Coach Pry as the Hokies in that position yet that they can be good enough to be able to pull that up. What we saw Virginia do against North Carolina. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's why we love college football, right? I mean, just, I say it all the time. The more you read, the more you study, the dumber you get on Saturday watching games. And it's just an incredible win for Tony Elliott. And you know, the, the people that probably hate that the most outside of Chapel Hill is probably the ACC office. that's thinking, Hey, Maybe in a perfect world, you could get Florida State, North Carolina, undefeated for a championship, uh, which would be incredible for the league and from a national perspective. But, again, the combination of teams that are going to get to Charlotte are all really good football teams. And and choose your poison between Louisville and Duke, Carolina, and Florida State. Whatever that combination is uh, could be spectacular. And if somebody else happens to get hot, whether it be Miami or somebody else, more power to them. But I think that's basically what we're looking at right now, late October.
3: Well, yeah. And, and so you're talking about it right now, like, like it's kind of chaotic, um. you know, first season, obviously with this, with this schedule type, uh, without the, the divisions and whatnot, we're about halfway through the season uh, ACC player of the year. If we had, if you had to give your mid season uh, ACC
5: player of the year right now, uh, where would you, where would you lean? You know, it's funny. We did that last week on the show and I think we had three or four different answers and I picked, Drake May. Uh, now, if you're asking me after this last week, I, I can't pick Drake May. Um, I, I would probably go Jordan Travis only because, I mean, they've got so many offensive weapons and Mike Norvell's done a fabulous job. Again, you talk about Nina King saying being patient. Just look what Florida State went through and what he's turned around in the last couple of years. So I think to this week, my answer would be completely <laughs> different than it was last week, uh, just based on the weekend's results. So I, I would go Jordan Travis as the Offensive Player of the Year this particular week, and If you ask me next week, I may have a completely different answer, which to me is a testament to how good the league is. From not only a coaching perspective, the quarterbacks in this league are great, and I think the skilled people in this league have been really, really good. It's been a really interesting, entertaining, and wonderful year for ACC football.
3: Well, to justify that pick, this was really the first week – In a while, at least, it seemed like they were uh, cool with Jordan Travis running the football, especially in the second half. And when he's running, it opens up a whole other dynamic. You know, when he's back there just throwing the ball, he's good. But when he's running, I mean, that's really, that was what broke the back, uh, you know, this past Saturday. So, yeah, Yeah, very interesting. I think we would agree. After seeing him in person, Scott and I were there in Tallahassee. After seeing me in person, he's an incredible, incredible
5: player. Well, and the other thing, too, uh, you know, people always talk about experience. And if you have a really talented and experienced player in college football, especially at quarterback, uh, it is a game changer. And this guy's been playing six years and the game has really slowed down. And to Florida State's credit, they've got great weapons. So uh, it is kind of the perfect storm right now in Tallahassee. Now they got to go figure out if they can close and that'll be the fun thing to watch.
0: Well, going back, you said you picked Drake May last week, and then they lost to Virginia. We wouldn't mind if you kept picking Drake May if it meant more UNC (laughs) losses. Just throwing that out there,
5: Mark. (laughs) Well, listen, I I always make fun of my picks because people always want, "Pack, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, man, you know, I don't know. And and I say that because I don't know. And And that line I just gave you a little bit ago about the more you read, the more you study. All I do all week is read, 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 study, 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 prep, 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 and then we get in front of the camera and act like idiots for a couple hours each day on the show. But I, I sit there on Saturdays in amazement because you'll sit there and you'll analyze it. All the numbers will tell you a is better than B. Then you watch the game. And you go, I mean, you almost wish you never said a word, but to me, that's fun. I mean, you can, you gotta make fun of your picks and all that kind of stuff, but uh, college football is so fantastic. And again, everybody always worries about, well, I know we'll come out with the first college football playoff poll on Halloween and, People are always worried about where they're ranked in the AP poll, and I'm like, man, don't don't worry about such stupid stuff. The AP poll is irrelevant when that playoff committee comes out on Halloween. You'll find out exactly where you stand in the big picture.
0: We just love the fact that Coastal Calamity is still around, even with no divisions, we love it. It's it's just going to be like this for the rest of the season. Well, well going you know, ba- the
5: other I was going to say the other yeah. thing too. If you're a Duke fan. You get to stick your nose in everybody's business. You just did it with Florida State. You've already beaten Clemson. You see Louisville this week. You got Carolina in a couple weeks. Uh, And every, you know, when you're in games that get into late October and then early November, I don't care who you're playing. Every week you feel the pressure that you've got to hold serve. And that's why it's never a straight line where people go, oh, well, Florida State's a lock. Well, you know what? They would be the favorite. Nobody would argue that. But they've got to close, and you you find out a lot about programs and teams and players when the pressure's on when you're supposed to win. Sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do, and that's true whether we're talking about football, basketball, baseball, or anything else.
0: So let's look ahead. This weekend, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN. Big showdown in Louisville, like you stated, and it's surprising, Mark. This is only Duke's second, I guess you would call it, day game. Uh, three kickoff. The last time they had a kickoff like that was all the way back against Northwestern, but we're going to have some fun with you. We always do this with every guest we have on. We have our fill in the blank session. So we're going to ask you a question. You're going to fill in the blank as best you can. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Duke needs to watch out for who on this Louisville team this weekend.
5: Uh, I would say George Jordan, uh, to me, it is a difference maker, uh, when he can run the football. And if he doesn't go, then Thrash, obviously, the wide receiver, is just a dynamic playmaker. And I know Duke's secondary has done a great job. They just saw an incredible collection of wide receivers at Florida State. But Louisville is going to try to spread the field. And Jeff Brom, coming off a loss and an open date, will probably have a little trick up his sleeve, too. He's a clever coach. And, again, to me, the chess match of Brom's offensive mind and Elko's defensive mind is worth the price of admission this week. It's good on good this week.
2: Duke will win Saturday and possibly beyond if Riley Leonard's unable to go with Henry Beeling, if.
5: But to me, that's the whole thing for Duke. Uh, Riley Leonard plays, Duke can play and beat everybody on the schedule moving forward. Um, If Riley does not go, and that ankle is a bigger issue, and I hope he can play because he's such a great kid and a terrific player. I just don't know if Duke can beat people if you're telling me, hey, we can only throw five forward passes and complete them in a game. Um, You know, you can't – the league's too good to be able to play one-handed, with one hand tied behind your back. And and Duke's going to have to be – if Leonard can't go, uh, man, Duke's going to have to figure out a way to at least be honest throwing the football downfield. And it's just just too hard to do. And people know that, hey, all they're going to do is run, 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 you can stack lines and make life miserable, um, but if Riley Leonard can turn that thing around and go, I think Duke looks at every game and says, "Why not us? Let's go win every single one of them." All right,
3: Mark. Uh, Louisville will defeat Duke Saturday and go seven and one if they
5: blank. Uh, if they don't see Riley Leonard and and Duke can't throw the football, I mean, because I do think that Louisville will be able to score. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to put 35 on Duke, because nobody's been moving, nobody's been doing that to Duke except Florida State. But really, quite frankly, Florida State didn't do it until Leonard went down. I mean, they had to run a kickoff back, and they're sitting there with 17 points midway through the third quarter, which tells you what a great job Duke was doing defensively. So, Duke's been in every single game from a defensive perspective. But again, I, I do think that that Louisville will spread it, and, and, and that's a home field that they've been really, really good at. I suspect that they will, will score some points, um, so Duke's going to have to be able to throw the football a little bit. They don't have to be air Duke, but being able to throw the forward pass, you got to be able to do it.
0: All right, looking ahead to December, Louisville will make the ACC title game if.
5: Um, and I think Louisville's in if they beat Duke in Miami. Um, I you know that the pit loss was a killer. Um, but I think they'll match up with both Virginia and Virginia tech from that perspective. I mean, I like their chances in those games. Uh, it may come down to the game this week, quite frankly. And like I said, it just kind of feels like a loser leave town match as far as Charlotte goes that the winner moves on to survive and the loser is going to need some help. It is, it's not, it's not necessarily all chips are in, but it's pretty close this weekend.
3: All right. So let's take for granted that Riley Leonard is going to play. All right. So let's, let's move, move forward from that. Let's say he is playing Duke will make it to their second ever ACC title game, I believe. Well, in modern history, if, so if Rylander plays what's the path to Duke making it to the ACC championship game?
5: Well, to me, if you're Duke uh, obviously the road trip this week, and I also want to see how they respond. Number one to tough emotional back-to-back road trips, you know, it, you get the, the, the luxury of playing at home a lot where all of a sudden you've got to go on the road to take on a number one a really good team and number two a really good team that's good at home Florida State falls into that category Louisville falls into that category um I want to see how they handle that I mean, you know the setback of hey we were up by three we're driving got a chance to put them down 10 all of a sudden everybody can be getting a little nervous get the sweaty palms down in Tallahassee we let that thing slip away and The Florida State's credit, they win the game. So how do you respond, right? I mean, Mike Elko, that's going to be one of his challenges this week to get his guys to say, guess what? Hey, we fell short. But, man, we still got a 1,000 things to play for. It begins this week. And you're going to walk into another hostile environment. Those folks at Louisville are starting to sense it and feel it. Uh, You saw what they did with Notre Dame. I thought they ambushed a really talented Notre Dame team. You guys had a chance to see the Irish at Wallace Wade Outdoors, I call it. So I think emotionally – How does Duke respond this week will be just as important as Riley Leonard's ankle. I mean, they're going to have to be jacked up and ready to roll because that's what they're walking into. And I think both teams understand that whoever wins, man, you position yourself for a November ride to get to Charlotte. Whoever loses, man, you still got a lot of work to do, and then you're going to need some help. So, like I said, it is a really, really critical game. Well,
2: Mark, I know you burn up the road a couple times this year already from uh, Charlotte in that F-150 coming all the way up here to uh, Durham. Is Do you have a favorite uh, barbecue place or food place that you like here in the Durham area?
5: Well, you know what's funny? If I know I'm going to Duke State or Carolina, and again, I'm down here in Charlotte, here's how I played it. In fact, when I was up at Duke uh, two weeks ago for the NC State game, we did our show there Friday, and it was an up and back trip for me that particular Friday. I left, I didn't eat breakfast on purpose because we always have like a zoom meeting and all that stuff for our ACC network stuff around 10. And I was going to do some taping and all that stuff before we did our show from four to six. So I timed it uh, where I could stop in Lexington, North Carolina and eat Lexington barbecue. So I had lunch at Lexington barbecue. By the time I got to Duke, it was about two in the afternoon and uh, we had some fun and did some segments and all that stuff. And then, so we did the show from four to six. And so I was driving back home to Charlotte. So I stopped by Lexington Barbecue for dinner. And there were a couple of people that, that gave me the double look when I walked in, like, hey, you fat, you know, you know what? Weren't you in here earlier today? I was like, yeah, I was. And so, uh, so I like the time where I'm going, if I'm going to the triangle, that I will normally stop by in Lexington and grab barbecue either on the way up, on the way back. And if I could do both, like I did two weeks ago, that's what I do. But there's always a bunch of good places to eat, for sure.
2: Yeah, well, obviously, I've followed you for a long time. I've been listening to you for over the years, back in the FNZ days, the old QCB, and uh, I've heard you probably a thousand times mention the sacred LBC, like some barbecue. Um, One more question, though, before we let you go. Is Bob Melvin the guy that's going to help our Giants win?
5: Uh, Or
2: do you have somebody else that you think that nobody else cares about on the podcast but me and you? But do you have another guy that you think could do it?
5: it, Here's how I look at it. As long as they don't hire Dave Roberts, we got a chance because Dave Roberts stinks. Or Don Uh, Mattingly. Or Mattingly. We don't need Uh, him either. Right. I mean, so as long as we can stay away from Dave Roberts, we're okay. I would like to get Bruce Bochy back. He's doing a nice job. I know they got a big game with game (sighs) seven. Uh, the Boach was the absolute greatest of all time. But I believe our Giants uh, need a little bit more pitching. Uh, they need a star with a bat. I mean, we we got a long way to go. We're we're basically a 500 team at best right now and have struck out in the free agent business. And, again, I'm one of these idiots that stays up on the East Coast watching Giants baseball till 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we had a great run winning it in 10, 12, and 14, but it has been slim picking since. So it is a work in progress, as Nina King says, and it's true for all of us, you have to stay beat. You have to be patient if you're a real fan. That's the truth.
0: Well, I mean, we've automatically turned it from the Section 17 football podcast to the Section 17 baseball podcast. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, hey. look, we really appreciate you coming on.
5: Anytime. It's
0: always good to, to hear your perspectives of ACC football and maybe... We can get up, hopefully, the pit game. Maybe we'll see the crew there. Who knows? uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. But, again, we really appreciate you coming on to the Section 17 podcast.
5: You you got it. It's my pleasure. And, again, for all Duke fans, man, enjoy this guy, Mike Elko, because he is a big-time coach. And uh, he's already proven it in a short period of time. And the way Duke's recruiting, uh, like I said, they are going nowhere fast other than staying right there in everybody's business. So it's a good time to be a Duke Blue Devil. There's no doubt about that.
0: Thanks again, Mark. Really
5: appreciate it. Got it, guys. Have a good one. And special thanks to Mark Packer,
3: Brian, for uh, coming on, uh, talking with us. Scott, that was I know that was a big-time uh, thing for you. That was brought to you by Durham DurhamDevilsClub.com. Uh, this is Duke's NIL arm for the football program, and then potentially for other sports as well. Uh, if you've not heard anything about what, what's going on there, go to their website at DurhamDevilsClub.com become a subscriber. We want you to become at least a $25 a month subscriber because you get access to uh exclusive behind the scenes content. Uh, we will be interviewing uh defensive coordinator, Tyler Santucci next Thursday. Uh, that's just for Trinity club members and above. Uh, we will be doing interviews with players such as Peyton Jones upcoming Al blades, miles Jones and others. And so uh, going to be a good time there, but you only get that access if you're at the $25 level or, higher so go to durham devils Club.com and become a member of the team
0: two weeks josh sorry didn't mean to correct you november 9th not the second whatever hey but that just gives people more time to sign up for durham devils club Yeah, that will be i right. mean yeah exactly <laughs> all right it's So next let's...
3: week it's next thursday not this thursday
0: well next thursday is the second
4: this, all right, we're thursday,
3: not gonna... this thursday is the second next thursday is the ninth come on brian
4: this, this Thursday is not the second.
3: Oh, it's not? We're it was play, Thursday. we playing not. Wake
2: on the second. Oh, have, uh, you
3: been, have you been <laughs> drinking? <laughs> oh, man, I, I guess either. I need to go. I need to get some rest.
2: In, in oh, Josh's my. defense, we were out a little late Saturday night, just trying yeah. to wait for everybody to leave. I mean, and we then finally, we drove
3: home Sunday. Yeah, yeah we, okay.
0: That'd be one hell of a schedule, though. Thursday night against Wake,
3: and then Saturday against Louisville. <laughs>
0: We ready, so, baby. I, I sorry, can't help guys. I'm bad. sorry.
3: I'm sorry. I can't that help my on
0: that one. Hey, usually it's, I'm the one that flubs up. Finally, Josh flubs up. Yeah. <laughs> so in two weeks, two weeks time, Tyler Santucci with the Durham Devils Club. All right. We've got to get into another mailbag edition. We've got a, a lot of questions for the upcoming game against Louisville. Some folks asked about the FSU game. We might have touched on some of these questions, but Jamie, go ahead and get us rolling with this week's mailbag. Uh, I just think Josh is ready for Thanksgiving, so he's trying to get (laughs) a number. Bring on the turkey. (laughs) In four weeks, Christmas is here, folks. Just be prepared. Santa's coming.
3: (laughs) Brian's got – hey, listen, Brian thinks so because he's doing bowl projections. So, anyway.
4: All right. I'm going to start this a little differently than I normally do because I'm going to go with the last question that I looked at on Facebook first because I thought it was a great question. You wild man. (laughs) (laughs) James E. Hayward discuss our chances of winning out and a rematch with fsu and charlotte last night was a our or saturday night was an experience for the duke team that will make them a stronger program and look people once again i'm a fan i can discuss this uh i can be like i can go into a rant like what what's his name mike gundy except i'll say i'm a fan Come I'm forty. Me. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm forty five. I'm, I'm a fan.
2: You coming me. <laughs> I got a thirteen year old son and a wife.
4: <laughs> I would love the chance at a rematch with FSU. Like I said, with a healthy Riley Leonard, I think Duke can win that game. What you guys think?
0: Okay. So I think uh one of the Louisville beat writers came out with an injury report. Louisville could be down some key players this weekend. Don't wish any injuries on anyone, but if there's something that we need to help us out is some key injuries on their end to kind of offset Riley's injury. Riley could still play. We don't know. He is, quote, day-to-day. Don't ask us. We don't have any insider knowledge. Louisville, we've got to win. Wake Forest could be a trap game on Thursday night. It always is. Next Thursday. Not this Thursday. <laughs> next Thursday. But they suck. <laughs> but what happened in Keenan Stadium that's just past Saturday. UVA
3: really I, sucks. So yeah, exactly.
0: Right. Gotta win Louisville. You gotta win Wake. And then the big matchup November eleventh against UNC. I mean, we were folks, we were talking about this before we recorded. I don't think I've ever seen Duke UNC football tickets as high as they are right now, with the understanding that the hope is both teams win out until November eleventh. If Duke wins those three games, let's put them at eight, they'd be what, eight and eight and two. Their last two games are against against Virginia at Virginia, which now becomes a very interesting game because we've seen it last year with Georgia Tech when they made the coaching change. They They got that one big win against Duke, and it seemed like it turned their whole season around. That could be the case for Virginia after beating UNC. Then you have Duke's arch nemesis Saturday after Thanksgiving, Pitt. And ever since that quarterback change, I've said Pitt is going to be a different team than what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. So I truly believe if Duke can beat Louisville and UNC, they're in the driver's seat to get back to to Charlotte to play Florida State for a rematch of the 2013 game. But uh, uh, before I forget, I'm sorry, coastal calamity, as we talked with Mark Packer, is alive and well, folks. It has not gone anywhere. So while we're talking about all this, there could be a sleeper team that shows up with two losses, and could contest for the ACC title game too, Scott.
2: I mean, and it's just packed reference this when he was talking. He said basically from here on out, it's a loser-leave-town match, and that's what it is. If Duke takes an L, the opportunities of getting to the ACC championship just are make a lot harder. And if you happen to take another a third loss, you're pretty much eliminated. So you got to beat Louisville. You got to beat Wake. And then if you go in there you know eight and one seven and two in Chapel Hill College I mean man you know they're gonna be ready anyway because they want to get that bell back so hey but we got to beat Louisville first that's that that's that, that's me going from being a fan to the reality for a minute. we got to beat Louisville first and they're gonna be a tough opponent to beat there at Louisville I'm still a fan I want to you again
4: uh billy potter on facebook wants to know what happened to our pass offense so you think averaging you know so many yards rushing a game would be the receivers would be uh be able to get open and with teams stacking the box but seems like our passing game has just kind of
3: struggled um i'll tell you this one i mean number one our receivers have not gotten taller you know what i mean so like that is what it is. they is. They're, they're physically built the way they're going to be built. Number one, number two, I hate to keep doing this, but like the odd matchups that Duke has had every game, there's not been one game where it's like, we got to open it up and we got to air it out the whole game. There's not been one game. The NC state game, we shut down the entire offense at halftime. like, the, the Florida State, Florida State, Clemson, okay. Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame. We are not going to throw the ball on those defenses. It just isn't going to happen. Like, I don't care. Like, with, with the current roster setup we have, we are not throwing the ball like crazy against those three teams. The rest of the games have been complete blowouts. So, like, I hate to be that guy, but I don't, I'm not concerned about the past game because we haven't necessarily had to use it. And, like Coach Oko said, if we don't have to throw the risky 25 yard, plus passes, and we can hand it off to Jaquez and Jordan and have a quarterback keep, why in the world would we do it? And so, like, I get the frustration because it's not sexy, right? It's not sexy to win by running the football and by by controlling the clock and by just, you know, scoring more points. It's sexy to throw that deep ball, sexy to, you know, on your RPO to hold it and throw it downfield. You know, I get it, but, like, we're not going to do it against those three teams, and then the other games have been blowouts. That is my that is my explanation for it.
4: Uh, I agree. Uh, do you have something to say, Brian?
0: No. I mean, would you rather be sexy and potentially lose more games in the year, or would you rather be boring and win like we've been winning?
2: I would. Say I mean, it, it,
0: it's like we can't have it both ways, folks. We get it. We understand it. Pound the ball
2: all day long if it means Duke's going to have a
0: 8, 9, 10 win season.
2: Well, Duke, Duke has three interceptions on the season. They're all. I mean, the one Riley threw, that guy made a great play. The one Henry guy made a great play. The only bad interception he threw was against Clemson, and he was throwing because he was running for his life. So I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's not like they're throwing it down the field into coverage either. So.
3: Well, the did you mention the Notre Dame one? I zoned out for a second.
2: Did we throw one against Notre Dame?
3: Yeah, we threw one in the red zone against Notre Dame. It was pretty bad.
2: Oh, see, I must have zoned out on that. Didn't we one. throw
3: one in the end zone? Like he threw one. No, he threw one. We were back up, and he threw one, and they they had it like
2: the fifteen yard line. Yeah. No, that so okay. I'm sorry. It wasn't Clemson. It was Notre Dame. We threw Yeah, it, it was a bat. bat. That was a I'm bad one. Yeah. that was my fault.
3: That's all right, man. All good, homie.
4: You know, it's not like we can't throw the ball. I just think, all right, It's just a matter of the fact that you got Waters, and you got Jacquez, who had such a great game. And now I mean Coleman came in and was running hard too in the fourth Shout quarter. Shout out J. Cole, uh, dude. Yeah, yeah. He was good, good to see him he, back he on the field. Hard. Yeah, so it was nice to see him out there. So you got, I mean, an embarrassingly deep running back room. So yeah, you might as well use them. Yep. All right. And, and, and according
3: to Florida State fans, you got an offensive line who holds so beautifully. <laughs> yeah. So why not run?
4: <laughs> next on Facebook, we got Pradeep coming in. What would you think about a scheme where we play both Raleigh and Henry in the backfield? Because both can run and both can throw. Raleigh was confident but seemed less mobile than normal for obvious reasons. Henry has a cannon but not as much in-game experience. If we put Raleigh in shotgun
3: with Waters and Beelin on either side, he wants to know what our thoughts would, would be on that. Hey, I'll one-up you, Pradeep. Shout-out Pradeep, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hope you're listening. Um, I'll, I'll 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 run you one even better do that and then bring Jomo in motion. And then you got three quarterback <laughs> options in the same backfield at one time uh, to answer his question. I mean, I think that sounds good, but you're risking injury on both players on one play. Yep. And I don't think Duke can do that. I don't think they can afford to do that. I would love to see that some trickeration like that, because I think we know that Riley could go in motion and turn into a, a pass catcher for sure. And so like, I'd actually think that would be something interesting if both those guys were healthy.
0: But have we seen any trick plays this year? I'm, I'm trying to go through the games. There's not been a single play that has been something that where we're like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I don't know if Kevin Johns wants to install trick plays.
2: I could be wrong. He might be saving it for the UNC game. I have an idea, though. Um, Trevor Horton, there you go. That's your homework assignment, buddy. That's a new play for you to design for us to run somewhere At, down the road here.
3: Future O.C., By the way, if if we are gonna run a trick play, can I just throw it out there? If we're gonna it needs to be a fake punt, we all know what needs to happen. Needs to be a fake punt and it needs to get hiked to the up man. Y'all know who the up man is on punts. You know the up man is
2: El Presidente.
3: Big Wayne to campaign. It's gotta (laughs) get hiked to Dwayne. He's gotta run over a couple of people and get the first down. So if we're gonna run triggeration, that's what's got to happen. So
4: Tyler Lester's coming in and he said he wants to make things a little more lighthearted could Duke run the triple option this year? Could we go full Paul Johnson at Louisville and just
0: like, let's just run the football. <laughs> so guys, do you remember when they were searching for the coach and early speculation was army's coach? Was it, is it Jeff Munkin? Yes. yes I yes, was ready to Jeff turn to
3: my fanhood.
0: Right. We all were like, if this happens and he gets hired, Scott was like, I'm not going to be there. I'll turn in my season tickets. Yeah, I'm doing it. I've never seen Scott with a pouty face as big as that because Mm -hmm. it's just it is a very boring offense. Now it's very confusing, and you could take out some people's legs. See Georgia Tech from 2008 to uh, what 2019. Yep. But
3: yeah, I'd uh, I'd have to turn the channel and turn it back on. It's it's pretty boring. Now let me say this: Should Duke get up 14 nothing in the first quarter? I can promise you we're going to see 75 to 80% run plays. I can promise Jordan, you that.
0: Jordan might break the Duke single season touchdown record. At, no doubt. Uh, at like, <laughs> I can promise
3: you that. And so once again, fans who want us to throw the ball more, look, if we get up early, I can promise you that that by, that we're going to be running that football.
0: Next week's mailbag is going to be full of
4: angry oh, yeah. fans. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: That's all right. Angry fans sitting at six and two. That'll be all right.
4: Scott Anthony Lambly says the coaches did an excellent job of getting the guys ready to go from the opening kickoff. How did they get the guys prepared to not be in all of that environment? Cause that's a, that's a tough situation there because Duke has only played at UConn this year. So you're going into dope Campbell. That's, that's a, a big, big difference.
0: Well, didn't correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Elko say in his presser last week, they were going to pump in noise during practice to kind of get them ready for that. I mean, you hear NFL coaches do that. You hear college coaches doing that, but you just can't replicate the actual feeling and the vibrations and the noise that come from 75,000 rabid fans. So, I mean, no one, Coach Elko, if someone asks them, we're just going to take it like we do every other game, one game at a time and they know their positions and they know what they need to do, but that that is tough to do, especially because, you know, Scott and Josh, obviously you can attest to this more, just the, feeling that it was having all those fans coming down on the field, screaming, doing the tomahawk chop, yelling, no matter what down it was. I mean, that's the kind of atmosphere that Coach Elko wants to see in Wallace Wade, no matter who the opponent is.
2: Listen, from pregame, the first two and a half quarters to the fourth quarter, when they took the lead, the level was here to here. And you could feel the stadium rocking when they scored that last touchdown and you could feel i mean it, the girls sitting behind me it almost felt like they were tall chopping my head cuz the way they were getting so excited you could feel the breeze and the air coming from behind there it was crazy well, but that's that's what you want that's the atmosphere you want if you can do it and if you're able to have that kind of stadium man and it was per, it was great I didn't sit there angry at all the whole time when they were up there cheering and screaming and hollering. I thought this is beautiful. This is what I came for for this experience. The W on top of it would have just been icing on top of the cake. But
3: Yeah, I think we've all been in Cameron, right? When you know Duke Duke gets a dunk, right? And then they come down to get a turnover and then they hit a three. And like you know, Cameron's literally like the top is like coming off of Cameron. Honestly. For for many parts of the fourth quarter, Dope Campbell felt like that in an outdoor stadium with 75,000 people instead of 9,000, right? It was just... So anyway, uh, but, but to answer Jamie's question, I mean, how do you prepare for that? Well, I did hear him say that Tom Hawk Chop was played extremely loud in practice um, a couple of times, a few times. Uh, but And they did, if you noticed in the game, uh, they did go with a hand signal and a clap instead of just a clap for the, for the snap. That actually messed us up a couple of times early in the game. First drive, I know we got a, a delay, a game call because of it. So I mean, it did have an impact for sure. But I mean, you got to be prepared for that. Like you said, UConn is the only other away game, and slightly different atmosphere there at UConn than Doe Campbell.
4: But did they did they play every time we touch at dope Campbell?
3: No, they they actually have better <laughs> taste in music. Yes, so <laughs> but, but it, the, uh, and anyway. the
2: band did not play Pink at halftime. Oh, in the band long. the
3: band did play the Duke fight song. We couldn't make it out though. I have no clue what song they were playing. They're like, we now want to extend a welcome to our friends at Duke. We're gonna play their fight. I know some random. Like, I guess it ended up being the Duke fight song, but like, I did not recognize it for like the first thirty seconds. Okay, they
2: They were. Everybody was facing the other direction, so none of the instruments were facing our direction, which made no sense at all. Because if you're gonna play it to the band to the fans, we were on this end, and they were going towards the other end, so it didn't make any sense at all.
4: And I will say, I mean, just having guys like Dwayne Carter, guys like Riley Leonard, guys like Jalen Calhoun, who have been there, you know, before they've been in in loud environments. They're they're older guys. I mean, they have a calming effect on the team, too. I I think that really helps. Graham Barton's another one. I mean, I'll I'll miss somebody, but so I'm going to stop saying names, but. (laughs) You, you get what I'm saying. We got an older team. Yep. We got a team that's that's prepared to play in an environment like that. All right. Lee Shepard on Facebook. <clears throat> he says, I feel given Riley's chances of missing time this week, there didn't seem to be a game plan for Beelan when he came into the game for his skills. Uh, what do we need to do to keep Beelan involved on a regular basis with with Riley's injuries? That's, it's kind of hard. It's
5: difficult. <sighs>
3: I hear him, but, like, I don't think we can say there was no game plan in place. I just think that, like, you cannot plan for your starting quarterback to go out in the fourth quarter up, uh, what were we, up one, up three, up three, like there is no game plan for that. Like he has to get thrust in, and he's got it. He came in, and it was like a first and ten inside the twenty. Like, how do you game plan for that? Like, I, I don't know. I I think that's selling Kevin Johns a little bit short on the offensive game plan. I think at the end of the day, what happened is, if you can imagine, you know, a basketball team whose whose dominant scorer that scores thirty five points a game goes out with an injury, and they replace him with a redshirt freshman that averages 3.4 points a game currently. Like, what are you going to do, right? Like, at the end of the day. So, like, that's all it was. I'm not saying that that Henry is is, is just, you know, 3.4 points a game. I'm saying Henry is a redshirt freshman. I'm saying Henry doesn't have those reps, and he's a different player than Riley. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, once again, any other team – other than, other than the fastest defense we're going to face all season, I think things are a little bit different. So, anyway. M-
4: moving on to – Shout X. out, Henry, by the way. Shout yeah. out, Henry. Yeah, coming in that uh, situation, I mean, it's impossible. I like, guess yep. none of – I mean, I'd like to see me try coming into that situation. Like, as I was uh, – when I was like, what is Henry, 19 – uh, like there's note, there's no chance
3: no campbell one jamie zero
4: <laughs> yeah there's no chance 19 year old jamie is doing anything <laughs> but like falling flat on his face out there so um going moving on to uh x we got at la dodgers all day sam coming in with his weekly question he said if we were to sim- way oversimplify the game plan to defeating louisville is saying stopping jahar Jordan is that how you say it jo- yeah jahar jordan the answer, assuming he's healthy, which seems to him, he says, that's what makes Louisville go, which we did here today. Hamstring is, is listed as questionable for the game.
2: Who knows if he plays or not? What, what do you guys think? I mean, the hamstring is a tough one. That's Miles Jones. He's having yeah. trouble with his. And Sam, for the record, sorry, dude. We had to talk our little uh, Giants Dodgers there with the back. Can't have pack on and not talk about how much he hates the Dodgers. Let's just be straight up. That would be like having me on a podcast somewhere and not asking me to talk about how much I hate Chapel Hill college.
4: Next. (laughs) (laughs) At T.S. Lester underscore. How nice does it feel to be at a point where we lose to a top four team on the road and people are upset talking about how we could have won. He's saying, not saying he's happy with the loss, but man, how, how times have changed. It's and been yes, ten... like, I mean, just it's... a couple of years ago, like, if we were going on the road, I mean, I, I'm not going to, okay, I'm not going to throw anybody on the bus, but if we were going under the road under David Cutcliffe a few years ago, against the number four team in the country, what were we, what were we expecting? Uh, I'm
3: not going ja- to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah, twi- so.
0: Twitter Jamie would show up in the first quarter. And would probably probably get suspended on X. No, I mean, it's it's been probably 10 years since
3: we've had that feeling. The 13 team that they yeah. honored. Okay. I, look, let, let me get on my little soapbox. It's my little soapbox. Everyone's
0: on the soapbox tonight. I love it.
3: Yeah. No, let's talk about that 2013 team. And this is all credit to them. I feel like that 2013 team played above their heads the entire season. And if you really looked at them, like physically, they did not—they didn't belong on that field with Texas A&M. Mike Evans, Johnny Manziel, like they didn't necessarily belong on that field, right? Like they could not physically match up with that team, but they—they they won in all the mental areas, right? Like they didn't turn the ball over; they played smart football. And this Duke team, while it—I believe we play smart as well and we rely on our mental game, this Duke team can physically get on that field. Now I understand there is a difference between like you look at their wide receiver room compared to our wide receiver room, their tight end room. But I get, I understand the physical difference, but I feel like in the trenches and and, in the secondary, I feel like we we are on that field physically with teams. Like we were not in 2013. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong there. I'm not a football player. I talk about football, I watch football, but I just feel like 2013, I felt like we were always playing above our heads. This year, I feel like, man, we are literally like banging with these guys in the trenches and winning.
0: That banging, huh? Oh, okay. All right. I couldn't
3: think of a better word. Couldn't I think of a better word, Brian?
0: Well, no. Well, no. What I was getting at, though, is this. It's been that long since we've had those games. Whether the team played above their heads or not, like, hey, we have a legit shot of winning this game. Like, even the Texas A&M game, every yeah, Duke right, fan man. that I knew was like, we're going to beat them. We have a yeah. shot. And Every time this year, there's not been a single game where we collectively did not think that Duke would win. Yes, we had our predictions episode to where we thought, you know, for points, but ultimately, Duke's got a chance to win every game this year, whether it was Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, insert team here.
3: So, and Louisville. Yeah, back to the question: Louisville is is I think we're still the Louisville question. Running back. Yeah. When he is uh, not playing, no, he is not in, is it before, already going? My bad.
0: They are a different team. Sorry. Again, ADH Tyler in, in two weeks, folks. Two
3: weeks, November 9th. Hey, hey, Listen,
2: <laughs> anyway, real fast, though. I was about to
3: make a dementia joke, but I'm not going to.
2: Yeah, real fast. Um, it was me- I saw this mentioned on Twitter during the game that the folks, which was Corso and not Corso, it was Herst Street and Fowler were up there. They were having a hard time believing in the first half that Duke was out physicaling Florida State. And at this point, everybody should know this. This is Duke football. This is Mike Elko Duke football. They're going to be out there out physicaling. Everyone since Brian heard it wrong. And, you know, that's what they do. That's how they play their brand of football. And it's amazing that people still don't get it physicaling <laughs>
4: oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna out physicaling this next question <laughs> at fish fry O2. seems coach not allowing riley to return took the fight out of the team and some players look frustrated um after henry's draws failed uh what does it take to get the coaches and players to have faith in henry if he's the guy next week I, and uh, okay. I think once again, this is a this is a veteran team. They're gonna they're gonna if Henry is the guy next week, they're gonna fall in behind Henry and they're gonna support him as in every way they can possibly support
0: him. If I'm being honest, if I'm Henry Beeling and I'm told, "Hey, Riley's starting," and, and again, this is just me armchair quarterbacking this. In my mind, it's okay. I'm not gonna get on the field tonight. Maybe for a play or two, for if they need me but I'm going to be here. I'm going to be watching the plays. I'm going to be listening to coach Johns. And then all of a sudden, Hey, get your helmet. You're going in or Hey, warm up. You're going in. I mean, you're not expecting that. So I, I really don't think that the players and the coaches were demoralized because he was in, I think it was just the momentum had shifted greatly so much. And that 97 yard drive that uh, Florida state had, it just gassed the defense. And I mean, Yes, Riley going out changed, but I, I it's not something to where Henry comes in and they're like, "Oh well, this isn't this isn't a game anymore." Like I, I they have enough faith in and Henry to start him in games, and he might have to start against Louisville this weekend. We don't know.
3: And look, like I, I think, and I we we talk football, like but we don't play football. There's not a guy out there. Listen. They are, these guys are brothers, man. Like they are, they are in this thing together. Was there some frustration? Okay, wait, let me ask you for three quarters. They absolutely laid everything out there on the line. And then the quarterback, the, the circumstances, not the person, the circumstances became frustrating. Yes. The fact that, that Henry's probably not going to be able to make that pass that Riley could make. Yeah, that's probably frustrating. It's not them frustrated at Henry. It's them frustrated at the situation that they're currently in. And that happens in football games all the time. Listen, Jock was more that that game meant a little bit more to Jock West probably than other people because of how close it is to his home. Dude, he was on people the whole game. He was yelling at the offensive line. He was yelling at the receivers. He was all over it. But that that's not he's not mad at them. He's not demoralizing them. Like that's part of being a brother. That's part of being like on a team with somebody. So like I think we're misreading it. Like every single person on that team wants Henry beelan to absolutely succeed in everything. I think it's a little unfair that the fans are like kind of reading it the way they are because like man these guys want the best for one another like they want nothing more than henry to be successful because if henry's successful guess what they are successful
4: all right at lisa Cadlick has a question about the louisville game she says she only uh speaking of louisville she only saw part of the louisville notre dame game and didn't see any of the louisville Pitt game who is the real louisville and what are the keys to the game for duke I mean, because we even saw Louisville versus NC State, and they didn't look good at all, in my opinion. Not at all.
0: And then they beat Notre Dame, so it's like. Well, Mark mentioned that. Two completely different teams. At home, they're dominant. But on the road, they struggle. So, Duke fans, be ready. You're probably going to be facing a Louisville team that looks dominant, as they have in all home games. And by the way, who had a bye week to prepare for Duke for this week? Louisville. So they had extra time to prepare. So we really don't know. I mean, again, because if you put Louisville and Wallace Wade, you would think Duke has a great shot at winning. You put them at home, which is what's going to happen this weekend. It's a toss-up. Could the same home Louisville team show up that's been dominating teams?
2: Well, Plummer has thrown for almost 2,000 yards. And it's 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and been sacked 15 times.
3: Well, it's like anything, win the trenches, right? Win the trenches, get to get to plumber. He can't get the ball to what's thrash and those other receivers. And if the running back doesn't play, I mean, who knows, man? You know, that's that the, the team that, that beat Notre Dame could show up, or the team that only scored thirteen points against what was a state beat them thirteen to ten. That team could show up. Who knows?
4: At Splash Obi is coming in with if Henry plays this weekend. How do we handle the offense when he went in against FSU? And we've talked about this uh, FSU completely sold out and loaded the box and they were going to stop the run. They were going to make obviously make Henry, make some plays. Um, what does he need to do different this weekend? If he does play.
3: I mean, number one, the Louisville defense, ain't the Florida state events. We know that for sure. So Henry's going to throw the ball. He's going to have to. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, at some point, he's going to have to throw the ball. He can throw the ball, so he's going to have to. And then, like I said, if Duke gets up by more than a touchdown, you can expect eight out of ten plays to be running plays. Just is what it is. But I do believe you're you're going to have to see Henry throw the football.
4: At Drew, Chish comes in. No one, Chapel Hill College, wet the bed versus UVA. At the time, was it more painful to lose to FSU, or did the Chapel Hill College loss kind of help ease that pain a little bit? And I'm all about Carolina losing, so it definitely helped ease the pain, but I still, you know, still obviously wanted Duke to win that game in FSU and have that be their first win ever over
0: FSU would have been awesome. I mean, you're welcome, uh, Duke fans. Had I not been at that game, UNC would have probably just – wipe the floor with UVA. No, it, it's always something because I think UNC fans and some have actually come out and said this, they're starting to realize that UNC will probably never be a title contending team because it seems like every time they get to this point, something happens. And I I, I, I talking solely UNC right now, sorry, but they were ranked in the top 10, six times in their school history, five of those times, as soon as they hit the top 10, they lost. So, yes, while it was hard to take that loss at FSU based off of how the team performed three of the four quarters, it was equally as nice to see UNC get put back into their little box that they're always in. And now UNC fans are like, well, we lost this one. We'll probably go eight and four and go to a bowl game that we don't care about.
2: Well, we were enjoying it up there in the section. We were keeping up with it. The little bit of phone signal we had, we were able to keep up with it and what was going on. And at times it looked like, you know a couple other fans were watching it too but then they finally actually put the score in the stadium on the big screen and then 75,000 people were excited at the same time so it was really good it was really cool all
4: right this is a good question coming in from uh at duke defender is there any chance tyler cherry could come in and compete for the starting role as a true freshman if? Obviously, a big if Riley decides to declare for the draft. And I think, I mean, if Riley does leave, I mean, it's going to be an open, it's going to be another open competition, right? I mean, you're going to have. B-win I have one losses. statement to
3: make, and I'm not <laughs> going to say it. I have one sentence Tyler Cherry did not sign to come to Duke to not play football. That's all I'm going right. to say.
4: Right. So had, there's this going to.
0: I'm sorry, has he signed yet? Do we or is he still verbally committed? You can't
3: committed? sign. You can't sign until December.
0: And that so is why I hate commit. that he's is why commit. I hate that's why I hate recruiting. He's, a, hard I, commit. he's a yeah, but he's, in a the hard 11. Commit. he's he's coming. He's coming.
4: And he's there's going to be a competition.
3: Yeah. If, I mean if Raleigh leaves, if,
4: correct. if Raleigh leaves. Correct.
3: And there will be if a competition. here. I'm not saying he's going to he's going to obviously win it either. I'm just saying there will be a competition he did not come here to be like yeah let me let me sit in the back seat here and wait my turn yeah. like like that dude is moving up the recruiting rankings and like if he so
4: his, his only thing the only only time he's gonna sit would be if Riley comes back like and then he's or if sit.
3: he gets beat out he gets beat out yeah. by Grayson and or Henry he's right. gonna sit but I'm saying there will be a, a competition that right. dude came to play
4: all right I thought this was another good question this we talked about it a little bit earlier. Have we, at CB Jones 725, have we received an explanation from the ACC regarding why we were not able to snap the ball on the fourth and two play at midfield early in the third quarter? It appears that we had fooled FSU and the officials not subbing. Who knows if it would have made a big difference, but it it is a big what if. And Elko was, I can tell you from TV, he was as red as Florida State's like. Whoever, some of the people wearing red, that's how red Elko was. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned he it was... earlier.
3: I didn't know that was a question. I mentioned it earlier. I, I don't know the explanation other than they missed it. The refs missed it. Like, he, we didn't sub. We went straight to the line. And for some reason, that official hovered over the ball and would not let us snap it. And Elko flipped his lid, and rightfully so. So, yeah, that to the to the question, who knows what would have happened if we could have gone for it there.
4: All right, I'm just gonna go with one more question as we're running a little bit long here. At potato, not turnip, (laughs) great name. Great name, at potato, not turnip. Do you think that that Coach Elko is going to stay long-term? How does all this success
0: translate into next year's recruiting class? We have talked about this and talked about this and talked about this. We personally think that he's going to stay regardless because at some point, him, Nina, and President Price are going to have to sit down and discuss this. My personal opinion, we're going to lose coordinators before we lose Coach Elko. It's just the circle of life. You've got coordinators that want to become head coaches to show what they're really worth. Could we lose Kevin Johns after this year? Absolutely. Could we lose a position... Uh, coach to become a coordinator somewhere. Absolutely. Tyler Santucci, I don't think will go because this is his very first year at Duke. But I truly believe that Nina King will do everything possible to keep Mike Elko happy. They gave him an extension after last year's season. They are probably going to give him another extension this season. And his family loves the place. And I don't think he's done. And we talked about this. He's not done with what he wants to accomplish here at Duke. Now, if Duke had an ACC title, a couple of uh, playoff appearances. And and don't forget, folks, next year starts the 12-team playoff. So I'm wondering if he's trying to at least get Duke in a couple of those before he even considers looking elsewhere. My two cents, he's not going anywhere anytime soon.
3: Let, let me tell you where he's not going. He's not going to Michigan State. That's nope. where he's not going. And and them, uh, them doing Hitler trivia this past Saturday, uh, probably it didn't help anything no he is not going to Michigan State and so that can stop I think there are a couple strategic places if if they were to just beat down the door he'd have to at least take the take the phone call other than that I think as long as Nina and President Price will fork the money over to him at the end of the day I think he stays here until just one of those jobs that any of us would take comes along. That's just my opinion. He's got kids in school. Blah blah blah. We've already discussed it, like Brian said. Is that it, Jamie? Boom. Hey, thanks guys for your questions. Uh we really, really appreciate them. They add to it, uh to the conversation every week. And we want you to continue uh doing those. I think Sam at LA Dodgers all day I think he is an I think he's done one every single week that we have taken questions. That's so, an
0: impressive streak.
3: It is. It is. Sam's going streaking, and so uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, it is now time uh, for uh, one of our, uh, spo- uh, not spo- our sponsored segments, sorry, that we do every single week, and that gives you a little peek on the history of Duke football, and that is entitled simply This Week in Duke Football History with one, Mr. Scott Medlin, scott
2: take it away so for this week in duke football history we're going to go back to october 27 2018 Dion jackson would set a school record for most for most all-purpose yards by a duke player playing against coastal division rival pitt jackson would go against the panthers rushing for 162 yards 10 carries three catching three passes for 89 yards He would also contribute on special teams, having 152 yards worth of kickoff returns. Jackson would end the day with a total of 403 all-purpose yards. The Blue Devils, however, would not be as successful as as they would fall to Pitt in a shootout 55-45. Duke would finish that season in 2018 8-5 with the Independence Bowl win to end the season. And that was This Week in Duke Football History brought to you by Bull City Sheet Metal. If you're a contractor and need duct work for your project, give them a call at 919-354-0993 or visit BullCitySheetMetal.com. They'll take any job and grab it by the horns.
3: Yes, sir. Grabbing it by the horns. We appreciate our friends at Bull City Whoa, Bull City Sheet Metal! (laughs) (laughs) Bull City Sheet Metal! (laughs) And we appreciate Scott so doing glad, that segment. I'm so
2: glad you flubbed it up and I haven't.
3: No. Uh, every week we do want to remind you that you can go to, that you can go to DukeFootballTalk.com uh, and you can hit up our merch store there. You can see all of our episodes there. You can follow us on Twitter um, at DukeFBTalk. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram there as well, and TikTok. You can find us on Facebook by searching Duke Football Talk, and YouTube. If you are watching us on YouTube, would you subscribe to our YouTube channel? Would you uh, tell your friends about it? We met some people down in Florida State, down in Seminole Country, uh, who were interested in our podcast and uh, watch on YouTube, and so want to encourage you to do that. And if you're listening on Apple. Um, would you leave us a five-star review and rating? And then if you're listening on Spotify, would you leave us a five-star rating? We'd appreciate it if we've earned it. If we've not earned it, don't give it to us. But if we've earned the five stars, would you give us the five stars? Brian, we still don't have a sponsor, man. I don't know if people just hate you or what it is. But we do not <laughs> you're have not a helping. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, guys, Brian needs it. I mean, Christmas is coming uh, you know, he's got to provide for the family.
0: I won't, I won't send him to visit the house, folks. Come on. You got to help right. me out here.
3: <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, it's that time uh, as we do every week for the Tell of the Tape. Where we learn a little bit about our upcoming opponent. This week will be the Louisville Cardinals with the Tell of the Tape and the Did You Know Brian Candy. Take it away. And
0: I am unmuted, so I'm good to go. (laughs) Okay, tell of the tape, Louisville Cardinals. Last year, Louisville went 8-5 and and played in the Fenway Bowl, where they defeated the Cincinnati Bearcats 24-7. Now, as we stated earlier last week, Louisville was on the bye. But two weeks ago, they were defeated by Pitt 38-21. Head coach Brian Braum is in his first season as Louisville's head coach and has an overall coaching record of 72 wins and 45 losses. Now, before being named the Cardinals head coach, Braum was the head coach for the Purdue Boilermakers from 2017 to 2022, as well as Western Kentucky from 2014 to 2016. He also had assistant positions at UAB, Illinois, FAU, say that three times fast, and Louisville. Now, overall, this is the fourth matchup all time between Duke and Louisville. The first ever meeting between Duke and Louisville took place on September 7th, 2002 at Wallace Wade Stadium, where Louisville defeated Duke Handley 40 to three. Louisville does lead the series matchup all time against Duke three games to zero. And as much as it pains me to say, this last meeting between the two schools occurred in 2021, where Louisville defeated Duke 62 to 22 in Durham. The four of us were there. We were probably the only fans left at the end of the game. Mike Elko is 0-3 all-time against Louisville. That took place when he was Wake's coordinator from 2014 to 2016. And now it's time for the Did You Know. The Cardinal has been Louisville's mascot for over 100 years. The idea for the mascot came in 1913, I should say, a year after the school fielded its first-ever football team from Ellen Patterson. Patterson was the wife of John Patterson, the school's arts and science dean at the time. Patterson made the suggestion due to the Cardinal being the state bird of Kentucky. She also suggested the school use red, black, and white as the school colors and both suggestions stuck. However, it was not until 40 years later that the first Cardinal mascot was created for sporting events. In 1953, two female cheerleaders took one of their male counterparts, T. Lee Adams, to the home economics department and asked the department chair known as Miss Gold to make a cardinal head to use during games. Gold created a cardinal head that was black with a yellow beak for Adams to use. Adams would wear a red, red sweater during games with the cardinal head. However, after much ridicule from the student body during games, the costume would only last one football season and two basketball games before it was retired. It would not be until 1958 when the first fully costumed Louis the Cardinal made of papier-mâché would debut from the Louisville Marching Band. The outfit was constructed by School of, the School of Engineering, and drum major Dick Dyson would portray the Cardinal from 1958 to 1960. From that time on, Louis would go on and go through numerous makeovers through the decades but has been a mainstay at all Louisville sporting events since the first sighting of the Cardinal in 1953, and that was the tail of the tape for the Louisville Cardinals.
3: Josh, all right, so old Louie, Oh Louie, we appreciate that, Brian, as we do Dick every Dick Dyson. Year. That's right, Oh Double D, um, and so we we appreciate that segment um, every every year. <laughs> Josh, that you was
0: You are on point tonight, my friend.
3: (laughs) That was a private chat that came public right there, probably. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm not sure. But, uh, but yeah, we we appreciate that segment. And, honestly, it is cool to kind of get that insight on our opponent uh, each week, and we appreciate uh, all of the work that goes into that. But, hey, last this past week, obviously, we've talked about it. The game did not end the way we wanted it to. Uh, We obviously wanted Duke to get the win. We all four picked Duke to get the win, even probably against, our better judgment, uh, for the most part, Uh, but we did, uh, this week will be interesting because Duke has, you know, Louisville coming up, but let's talk who won, uh, the picks, uh, on social media from last week.
0: All right. So for Facebook, Steve Barbie predicted FSU to win 37 to 17. So he was only off one point for FSU score on Twitter. David Lawson predicted FSU to win 38 to 24. So he actually got FSU score on the nose And on Instagram, Rev Brez got the score on the nose, FSU 38, Duke 20. So, Rev Brez, we're going to throw a little something extra for you uh, when you get your shirt. So, congrats to those three. As always, come Thursday, we'll be putting out our predictions post. Be sure to let us know who you think will win, what the score is, and what the team will wear in Louisville. Jamie, what are you laughing at, bro? He's still laughing at Dick. It's the, it's the <laughs> chat.
4: Oh, I just looked at it again. I gotta hide that chat. <laughs> yeah,
3: it'll get you. It'll get you. It'll get you for sure. Well, listen. Uh, now it's time for our picks, um, as we do every week. Duke's going on the road again, so obviously we know Louisville will, will be wearing uh, either the red, they're red, or they're black uh, at home, and Duke will be wearing something white, uh, depending on. Uh, you know what? What else they are wearing? That's what we're going to tell you. So, or our prediction, and then we'll give you our score prediction. So, who wants to go first? Well, actually, Brian, you've got the uh, the numbers for us.
0: Before I, we go. I, yeah, let me go ahead and just knock mine out of the way. So, yeah. over/under right now is 46 points, and they still have Louisville as a four-point favorite heading into Saturday. I personally think, with the news coming out today from Louisville, that they could have, be down a couple of key starters. I, just, I think Duke is gonna get back on the right track, whether it's Henry, whether it's Riley. I mean, yes, Louisville is dominated at home from what Mark said, but I think this Duke team is looking to knock Louisville out. Again, loser goes home, type mentality. I've got Duke winning 31 to 21, so a little bit on the over, uh, so 52 points altogether. I truly think that Louisville will go with the full blackouts, with the red Cardinals on the helmet. So I think there's gonna be a little bit more blue than what most people see on Duke when they uh, go to away games. I've got the white helmet with the iron blue D, large. Uh, I think they're gonna go actually white tops and blue bottoms, so white, white, blue for Duke. So 31-21, white, white, blue. Who's next? Anyone. You press unmute
2: and then you talk. There we go. Is that how it works? Because I'm having the trouble. <laughs> with
3: I'm sorry. Woo! Um, Scott, so, got a, Scott got that
2: mute stutter. Well, you know, it's the long reach They're trying to hit the mouse pad from where I'm sitting at. But um, honestly, if they, I believe they actually have a chrome helmet. It would be sweet if they did the chrome helmet, Louisville. <sighs> I would love, dude, to have one yes big blue Mm. with the cardinal on it dude that would be freaking sweet and i think i think the blackout would be wonderful so um i think duke's gonna go similar to what brian said but i think we're gonna go i think duke will go white helmet with the large blue d white shirt I'm hoping and praying that they don't do anything with black in it, because I just don't like it, but I think they may end up, but I'm gonna go blue pants. So white, blue, white, blue. For the score, that, this is one that I don't really, good Lord, I have no idea. Um, The fact 46 seems like a really high number to what could happen especially if Riley doesn't play and they don't have their running backs. Or we could become Big 12 football and it's 52-45. You never know. So for that, I think I'm just going to go 28-24 Duke. Uh, It will will cover the over. But I think 28-24, Duke gets back in the winning ways, becomes bowl eligible, and is one step closer to going to Charlotte. Uh, Scott, by the way, uh, Louisville does have a type of chrome
0: helmet, kind of a reddish hue, but has not been seen since 2014. That's right. That thing is beautiful. It is beautiful, but I don't think they're going to break it out. It hasn't been seen in almost 10 years. Who's next? I'll go ahead and go. Um, I'm thinking Louisville goes red.
4: Uh, So as far as our our jerseys, I'm going to go white helmet. Big blue D, white jersey, and black pants. Uh, I don't know. That's just a random guess, just to be different than everybody else, I guess. But uh, as far as the score goes, I think it's going to be a, I think It's going to be more of a low-scoring game. If 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 Duke wants to win, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think even if Riley plays, he's not 100%. We're still not going to get. The rally that we've been accustomed to seeing so it's going to be run run and run some more with waters and jacques and hopefully even Jalen coleman getting some some more action after we saw him against florida state i'm gonna go with the under i'm gonna go duke 24
3: uh louisville 20. all right i'm just gonna be different guys because yeah I agree with what Scott said, man. This could turn into a shootout, depending on what happens as well. Like, I know it could be low-scoring. So, you guys kind of went low-scoring. I'm going to go shootout. But before, I'm going to I'm gonna just piss Brian off really good here. I think they let Jamie on Franklin uh, pick the uniforms again uh, for this week. I think they go black lids with the blue D. White, black. So, we're we'll going to go black, white, black. Uh, Not my favorite combo either, but they haven't done it yet this year. So that's what they're going to do. Black with a blue D, white, black. I'm going to take Duke 45 uh, to 34 over the Louisville Cardinals. It's going to be a a shootout. Duke is going to run the football all over the defense. And it's going to be a glorious event.
0: And this is why Josh does not bet on games.
3: <laughs> That's about 30-some points above the uh, over-under. Very okay. impressive. It could very well happen. Very hey, well listen, happens. I told you I'm only doing it because all of you guys kind of went similar around the same yeah. thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's not like I win anything other than bragging rights. Well, yeah. Hey, listen, I'd rather get the, the uniform combo right than get the score right. Like, you know. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: well, we do talk about that when it comes out on Thursday nights for the record though didn't you pick the uniform last week josh
3: i did i did did pick the uniform spot on the gothic the whole deal i'm
0: still okay i'm still waiting for this speaking of uniforms black helmet with the blue gothic when are they going to do that yeah
3: that's nice i think they need the white outline though in order for you to really be able to see it true
0: true yeah no i agree on that but they need to do that if they did the white and the blue you might as well do the black
2: as well In all honesty, though, I really, if I had to pick and what I think is going to happen, I really think Josh's uniform combo is what's going to happen if they go red. No. Please don't. If they go red. red, I know. Because I don't think you go icy white two weeks in a row. Right. No. No. Yeah, I agree.
3: If I I was going to go something else, I was going to go like the traditional Duke, blue, white, blue, with the white white D on the helmet, like blue, white, blue. We haven't done that in a while either, so.
0: All right, well, that was predictions. It was all over the place, just like the end of this episode has been. We've oh, talked about hey. Dick Dick Drummers. We've talked about, uh, you know, schedules being off by three oh. weeks. And Josh, I mean, we, we are, again, our pets' heads are falling off for crying out loud. I'm going to say that one know. again.
3: Jamie still hasn't read the proper chat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> so if oh, he just saw that five minutes ago, he didn't die. <laughs> he lost you- it. The good news is, though, for, Mark Packer was half right. The Rangers are up eight to two right now, so Bochi has a chance for our for us Giants fans that love Bochy have a chance to go back to the World Series.
0: Okay, we we got to make a deal. If we can't talk about Duke basketball, we cannot talk about MLB.
2: We can't talk about here.
3: baseball, man. I don't want to fall asleep. It's I don't want to lose subscribers. Of the
2: we had. That's true. I don't uh-huh. miss shout MLB out Packer any other time. Yeah, shout out
3: Packer. Hey, it's, it's been a great episode, and honestly, Mark Packer was a great guest. Um yep. we've tried to bring you different guests this year. I hope you guys that are loyal listeners over the years uh, have appreciated the fact that we've tried to do that and not just at the same same old same old. Now you might get Stan Cotton for Wake Forest, but Stan's a legend. And you and might Jones and, Angel. Yeah, Brian loves him some Jones Angel. So we're gonna probably have Jones I Angel. I know But you you didn't have to interview him last time. You know what? uh, Tell you
2: what.
0: If you can can get Lawrence Taylor, someone by all means, we will
3: challenge. Except if you are listening to this podcast and you have any way of getting an email address for Lawrence Taylor, if you will get that for me, I would love nothing more than to interview Lawrence Taylor. What about Julius Peppers?
0: JP, I'll go
3: with him too. Okay, so those two, either one of those two. Either one of those oh, two.
4: Lord, if we can get Julius Peppers. Oh, look, God, no. Oh. <laughs> Lord, you talk about my Carolina Panther fanhood.
3: He would fanboy. Jeez,
4: be I, would, I would fanboy. I would be, <laughs> so, that would hey, be it.
3: Jamie would stutter more than Scott did. Uh, introducing, uh, Jamie
0: up. might actually dry heave. When he when yeah. he sees him.
4: season okay so, hey, so
3: listen if you listen to this podcast I mean we mean this hundred percent listen to this podcast and you have any access to Julius Peppers or Lawrence Taylor email or whatever if you will DM us or email us at uh, dukefbtalk at gmail we'll do our best to get them on for Carolina week
0: is there is there anyone else that for Carolina football? yeah I'm am trying to think of can we, can we get what my favorite
3: my favorite Carolina <laughs> football, <laughs> player, <laughs> Michael, my Michael favorite football player ever was Natron Means but like. He was a beast, bro. He was a beast.
0: Gio Bernard, maybe. Yeah, I mean,
3: I don't know. Then we're getting, to me, royalty is Julius Peppers. And
0: And I saw his retired uh, locker in the locker room two Uh weeks ago. That was pretty sweet. That was a pretty sweet setup. If you're
3: listening, then you got to hook up. Seriously, and we'll do our best, too. And that's nothing against Jones. I I mess with Brian. Brian got to play golf with Jones a few years ago. Jones is actually probably my favorite play-by-play interview that we do. So nothing against Jones. But if we can land one of those former players – uh, you get us our info. We'll do our best to land them. So, we Brian, you ready to take us hopers.
0: out? Yeah, we two have two weeks up. to try to get them, Josh. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. that's but right. Just, I got to count my just, weeks, baby. Just throwing that out there. But uh, <laughs> it has been a great episode. We've had a lot of fun talking all things Duke, FSU, Louisville. We hope to be back next week talking about another Duke win as we look ahead to Wake Forest. But that'll wrap it up. It's been a long one. We hope that you have stayed with us the entire episode. If you have, thank you very much. We hope to see as many of you as possible in the coming weeks as Duke will be back against Wake Forest on November 2nd. But until next week, for Josh Cox, for Scott Medlin, for Jamie Holt, and for producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast.
1: Now turn the music up!